I'm Taylor, and welcome to the TD Nutrition Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the TD Nutrition Podcast. Today's episode is about the liver and why it's so underrated. I've wanted to do this episode topic for quite some time, but it's a huge topic. Like there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the liver, which may be surprising. Um, So I knew it was going to be a multi-part episode. So it was just kind of a matter of when to compile the episode and record it. So today is going to be part one of two parts of talking about the liver. So if you've been listening to most of my episodes in the past, you may have noticed that the liver has come up a lot in one way or another, whether it's talking about different illnesses um, or talking about protein or fats that I've, I've brought up the liver. The liver is very underrated, as I said. It doesn't really get much attention, and you don't hear like many campaigns talking about taking care of your liver. I mean, typically we hear things about like heart health or taking care of our brains, and that's just because we don't often even think about our liver. Most organs in our body give us little reminders that they're there and that they're working hard for us to live. Um, For example, like we feel our hearts beating and we feel that the heartbeat increases when we exercise. Um, We can see our muscles grow when we work out consistently. We see the state of our skin and it kind of gives us a window into what's happening inside our bodies. So whether it be through showing us acne or giving us a rash or the coloring of our skin, whether it's pale or red, etc., Even our lungs, we can see that our lungs are working because we see our rib cage expand when we take a deep breath. Our gut even gives us indicators that it's working hard for us. We can feel when we get full. We can feel it gurgling because we're hungry. And it's easy to appreciate the parts of our body that we see and that we feel working for us, right? Like they're, they're constant reminders in our face that, okay, my lungs are working, my heart is beating. But our livers don't give us many obvious signs that of, or of their state or of how hard that they're actually working for us. And when our livers are struggling, we don't get many direct signs that something is wrong versus if you have gut imbalance, you might have, you know, certain signs and, uh, you know, other things in the body. So let's talk about what the liver's job actually is. The liver has been referred to as the best friend you've ever had. Our liver performs over 2,000 key functions in our bodies, and it prepares for when we need extra support. It cleans up any messes from poor eating. The liver stores toxins. It filters out toxins. It shields us. It protects us all day, every day, and we rarely think twice about it. Our livers keep us alive just like our hearts and our brains, and we're only given one liver. Although the liver is capable of healing itself and regrowing parts of itself after it has been damaged, so if you feel maybe you haven't been all that kind to your liver, it's not too late to turn things around. The liver's job is to keep our bodies balanced, which is definitely not a small feat when we live in a world where the view on nutrition and health is so imbalanced. We all begin straining our livers from a very young age. And then we get a little bit older, and oftentimes we go off to college, 
And it is typically during this time that many people begin to consume alcohol. They maybe experiment with drugs, all while eating poorly and loading themselves up with caffeine to, you know, be able to do all nighters to get all their work done. And it's this stage of life that many people um, experience. It has a huge impact on the health of our liver. And I think for many of us, we do know that like drinking is bad for our liver, but we don't always, I mean, especially when you're young, you don't really take that into consideration a whole lot and definitely not when you're in college. Um, But that's like, you know, four years of your life, you know, give or take of really causing a lot of damage to your liver. So even if you think, oh, you know, my liver's not damaged, like if you, you know, went to college and you did go through a period of time where there was lots of drinking and poor eating, then yes, your liver is most likely damaged. And so you've probably heard of these conditions, hepatitis, liver failure, jaundice, liver cancer, elevated liver enzymes, fatty liver, and cirrhosis. You may have also heard of people eating animal livers, thinking that it's good for them, but this is really bad for you. And I'm going to touch more on that in, in part two, but I just wanted to like mention it here. And if you're familiar with ancient mythology, the liver got a lot of attention in ancient mythology, but in modern medicine, it's really hardly emphasized. And I know it's just ancient mythology, but a lot of things like even Chinese medicine like puts a lot of emphasis on different organs, um, whereas you know, modern medicine doesn't. And the liver is big in Chinese medicine. If you go to acupuncture, a lot of times they can tell if you have a sluggish liver based on like your pulse in certain parts of your body, which is really cool. Um, So yeah, the liver really doesn't get much attention in society. And um, in medical school, um, very little time is spent on discussing the anatomy of the liver and all its working parts. Unless, of course, you go into a specialty that focuses on liver transplants or something like that. But even then, not much is taught about diet and nutrition and its huge role on the health of our liver because our liver is processing what's being put into our body. Um, So that's not really covered as much in in medical school, which is definitely where like nutritionists and dietitians and stuff come into play. The liver has the ability to adapt to every single situation, even more so than our brains. Like our brains are adaptable, but not to the level that our livers are adaptable. Have, Have you ever interacted with someone and no matter how hard you try to explain something, you just couldn't get them to understand a particular idea or a concept? And that's because people's brains can adapt to certain situations, but not every situation. But the liver can adapt to every single situation that it's faced with in a split second, which is really pretty fascinating if you think about it. A properly functioning liver is able to create heat to warm you up if you're cold. It can cool you down when you get hot. It can help you finish a marathon by releasing every little bit of stored glucose it has to help you. If you drink too much water and dilute your blood composition, it will soak up the excess water for you. If you breathe in cigarette smoke, your liver liver will absorb the chemicals so that they don't stay in your bloodstream. If you eat a burger with french fries and a chocolate milkshake, your liver will break down all those trans fatty acids and other toxins just to protect you. And if you're swimming in the ocean and a strong wave starts to pull you out, your liver will release adrenaline to give you a burst of strength so that you can push through and swim back to shore. 
The liver is really, truly incredible. The liver is considered the third brain. Our first brain is obviously our actual brain. And then the second brain is our thyroid. And I'm going to get into a little more detail about how the liver is like our third brain. So if every Saturday you go out with your friends for drinks, your liver will start to understand that behavior or recognize that pattern, I mean, and it will, it will prepare itself ahead of time for those drinks. And say if every Friday you order pizza, your liver knows. And if you have sporadic eating habits, like eating late at night or you eat irregularly, the liver will track the nature of that behavior and try to figure out if there is a pattern from that. The liver has a longer memory than our actual brains do, which is cool. So what happens is the liver records patterns, and without realizing it, when a certain event happens, like say the first cold day of the year, and you decide to go get a hot chocolate and a donut, it's actually your liver making that decision in a way because it knows that there is a pattern. So then it's already kind of prepared your body to digest that hot chocolate and donut. And we can't trick our livers and we can't outsmart them and we can't even outremember our livers. Our brain's memory can sometimes play tricks on us, like maybe not remembering exactly where you parked your car, like you can remember some details but not all of them. But the liver does not play tricks on us. So that's kind of a difference between the func- like the way the liver works and the way our brains work. And say you do truly make like a random choice, like having french fries for breakfast. Like that that's truly random. Never in your life have you had french fries for breakfast. This is where the liver's quick adaptability comes into play and it responds in seconds to dealing with that food choice. So the liver will then wait as long as it needs to to get more information for the next time there's a complete random food choice. So food choices leads me to the next topic that I'm going to talk about, and that's fats. You may already be aware that the liver processes the fats we eat. And like I've said, the liver has so many jobs, um, but processing fats is one of its main jobs, and it processes all fats, good fats, bad fats, saturated fats, unsaturated fats, healthy fats, omega fatty acids, anything that is a fat, it processes it. Processes it. Over the years, there have been so many fat-related buzzwords, and so much of the information out there about fats is contradictory. So like, how do you know it's right? Like one minute you hear that it's good to have a lot of fats in your diet, then it's bad to have a lot of fats in your diet. And now I kind of feel like we're in a place where people are are saying that it's good to have a lot of fats, like ketogenic diet is really popular. Um, So how do you know what's, what's really right? And if you're kind of going with whatever fad or trend is happening in the moment, you'll never get a reliable answer that helps you attain better health in the long run. Because most health trends or fad diets, the goal is never long-term health. It's typically usually like get better health in the short term, lose weight in the short term, and it never really talks about how is this going to impact your body long-term. So with that, let's talk about how much fat you should be consuming based on what is healthy for the liver. Ideally, you would be consuming 15% or less um, of fat every day. And only from healthy sources like avocados, nuts, seeds, olives, certain oils, so only olive oil, coconut oil, and hemp seed oil, and maybe a little bit of avocado oil, 
coconut meat, coconut milk, some varieties of fish, uh, wild meat, so it'd be killed in its natural habitat, and raw dairy. Uh, So really the liver doesn't know how to process um, any dairy that's processed, so, you know, cheeses and other dairy products, but it does know how to process raw milk, so or any raw form of dairy. But as I've said before, if you have a chronic health condition or an autoimmune disorder, dairy is best avoided. But if you don't have one of those, then raw dairy is what you would want to stick to for part of your 15%. The rest of your diet, so the other 85% of your diet, would consist of plenty of fruits, leafy greens, vegetables, potatoes, squash, and if you like them, legumes, millet, and oats. With this way of eating, the liver is able to produce a normal amount of bile without overworking itself, and it's able to also maintain all its other jobs efficiently. So which leads me to when you start getting out of that 15%, the liver has to produce too much bile. And bile is what the liver produces to break down fats, if you didn't know what what bile is. So even if you consume 15% or less of fats daily, but say that 15% is made up of bad fats, that will strain the liver. So sometimes it's not even about how much fats, it's, it is the quality of the fats. But again, even if you're consuming more than 15% and it's healthy fats, then that starts straining the liver. And I'm gonna get into that right now. So if your diet consists of say 15 to 30% of fat, your liver starts to become a little bit more alert, realizing that this level of fat consumption isn't sustainable to keep you healthy. And when you get into this range, bile levels rise up to 10% in an effort to protect your pancreas from stress. And if the 15% consists of unhealthy fats as well, then that bile production goes up to 20%. So if it's, you know, if you're eating between 15 to 30% of daily, your fat's daily and then the bile production rises to 10% which you really don't really want it to rise that much at all but then say that 15 to 30% also includes like you know trans fats bad fats then that raises to 20%. If your diet consists of 30 to 40% fats and let's say for this scenario that it's 30 to 40% of all healthy source fats It prompts the liver to work almost as hard as it can to adapt to more bile fluid and bile salts in order to break down this amount of fats, all to protect your body in the long term. Bile production in this range goes up to 20 to 25%, and the liver starts to send out a chemical compound as a warning to request extra sodium from the bloodstream to to help it out. When this happens, the liver also releases calcium into the bile to protect the linings of your duodenum and small intestine. So those are part of the digestive tract. So when you have a diet that consists of 40% of 40% fats or more, so you're eating all your daily calories, 40% of them are fats, and even if just a little bit is from fried foods, so a little bit of that 40%, say it's from fried fried foods, Um, or even rancid cooking oils like canola oil, palm oil, um, and corn oil, the liver goes into full-on adaptogenic mode, which is when it draws on all its possible reserves to produce insanely large amounts of bile, around 50% 50 bile production. And all of this is in an effort to protect your blood from getting too thick and making your heart pump too hard. And this is a common occurrence when someone is on a ketogenic diet 
Because while keto aims to consume only healthy fats, if you're consuming most of your diet from fats, regardless of the source of the fat, your liver gets taxed and it can't maintain that kind of lifestyle forever. So again, if you're eating 40% or more of fats every day, even if it's healthy fats, your liver can't maintain that forever. It's really basically pushing it to its limit. Regardless of what kind of or what type of diet you follow, whether it's vegan, paleo, keto, Mediterranean, your bile production is really all about your liver's needs and your liver's response to whatever diet you are following. Most diets don't keep the health and well-being of the liver in mind. So like, I don't know if you've ever, you know, in reading up about a certain diet, I don't think the liver has probably ever been, been mentioned. Most diets also, they tend to starve the liver of glucose. So then the liver is essentially taking bullets for you. So you're giving it all this fats, which is really tough on it. And then you're not even giving it enough glucose, which the liver runs on glucose. So when it's not getting enough glucose, it doesn't even have the energy to then deal with this overabundance of fat that is really hard for it to deal with. And the liver is doing everything it can to thin your blood and prevent damage to your heart and pancreas. Because like I said in the cleansing and detoxing episode, which was the previous episode, the thinner your blood is, the more oxygen there is in it, which is easier for your heart to pump it around your body. When you have too thick of blood, there's less oxygen, and that usually occurs from eating too much fats, and then it strains your heart because your heart has to pump harder to pump the thick blood all over your body. So at the end of the day, it's not really about bad fats versus good fats. It's all about how much fats are in your diet. And you can even be thin and super in shape, but still have a struggling liver that's exhausting itself trying to keep you healthy. And so basically like your weight and, you know, your endurance or how in shape you are doesn't necessarily mean that your liver is healthy. And so like I said, you can be thin and still have a struggling liver. And then what will happen is you'll end up paying the price for it with weight gain in your older years and other liver health complications arise along the way. So here's an example of what the liver goes through uh, every day. So this is the example that I have read in one of my books. So how would you like to take the time to get ready all nice in the morning only to go out to the kitchen and spill a bucket of oil all over you? And so you'd have to go back and take a shower and get ready again, right? Like you wouldn't walk out the door like that. So then say you went to lunch and then someone threw a bucket of oil on you. So you'd have to go home and shower and get ready all over again. And then how would you feel if you went to a nice dinner and you got all dressed up nice, you did your hair nice, and then another bucket of oil was poured on you? Like it would be so terrible. It could be the worst day ever. And you would be so tired of showering over and over again. And you wouldn't want to take the time to even get dressed up all nice again. And so, you know, by this time you would be irritable, you'd be stressed, you'd probably be angry. And this is how the liver feels with every meal that you eat high in fats, whether it's avocado toast, scrambled eggs, pizza, grilled cheese, or a big steak. Every time it's trying to clean itself between meals and get rid of the fat and get ready for your next meal, and then you come in with another meal that's high in fat. So then it goes through that same process again, and then that's why the liver starts to get sluggish, and then it's you know not able to perform at its you know best ability. Also, when it comes to the quality of fat, the liver really doesn't care. So a fat is a fat is a fat, basically. 
Um, unlike the way the body treats sugar, right? So the body is able to recognize what natural sugar is. It is able to absorb natural sugar super easily. It just absorbs it basically in the stomach lining. It doesn't even have to enter the um, intestinal tract. It's absorbed so quickly. Whereas processed sugar has a totally different effect on the body. The body tries to break it down. It's not absorbed as easily. And then it ends up being stored as fat. Natural sugar does not get stored as fat. But with fat, our liver processes it the same way, no matter if it's a healthy fat or an unhealthy fat. So it doesn't matter if you're eating organic eggs or conventional eggs, or if you have grass-fed butter or not, the liver is still gonna treat it the same way. Something you may be surprised to know um, is that the food industry actually really incorrectly measures fats, or maybe that won't even surprise you. I don't know, it doesn't, su- it doesn't surprise me, but some people are surprised by that. So the fat content of your favorite foods is probably not what you think it is. So no two chickens are the same. So when a company lists the fat of um, like chicken breasts that you're about to buy, it's probably a totally different chicken than the one you're about to eat. And like how many years ago was that? Like they don't really update these measurements also. And also no jar of nut butter is, no two jars of nut butter are the same. No two cans of tuna are the same. No two containers of hummus are identical to each other. And so then what happens is things become mismarked. And so you just, what you see on the label is a generalized idea of about how much fat is what in what you're about to eat. So you may think you're only eating six grams of fat, but really you're actually getting 12 grams, which that's double the amount of fat that you think you're getting. So we end up consuming a lot more fats than we even realize. Processing some healthy fats is what the liver is designed to do, but not too many and definitely not um, processed and unhealthy fats. So you can eat some fats, but you just don't want to go crazy. And that's where we don't realize that we need to reel it in on how much fats we're eating because some is fine and we do need some fats in our diet, but we don't need nearly as much as we think and we don't need nearly as much as we're actually consuming. The liver can only push so hard before it begins to burn out. And when the liver starts burning out and really feeling basically exhausted, then you start feeling this as some type of illness. And usually this has gone on for quite some time before you start noticing symptoms. And also, I want to point out that eating a high protein diet means that you're also inadvertently eating a high fat diet. And if you want to know more about this, you can go listen to my um, episode that's all about protein because I get into this in much more detail on why a high protein diet means a high fat diet. Let's talk about why the liver works so hard. Why doesn't the liver just rest? And the liver is working to give you the best quality of life that it can. The more fats we eat, the thicker our blood gets, which means there's less oxygen in it. And then when the liver notices that the oxygen levels in our blood are low, it starts to produce bile to break down and disperse the fats in the bloodstream that are causing the blood to be thick. And then oxygen, it feeds our heart and our brain, right? So the liver knows that our brains and hearts need oxygen. So the less oxygen in the blood that's going to the heart and the brain is not really ideal. So it's working hard to make sure that the most amount of oxygen is getting to our heart and brains always. The liver also works hard to protect our pancreas. The liver is like a workhorse and it can endure harsh working conditions, but the pancreas is like a delicate flower. We know that the pancreas produces insulin to regulate our blood sugar. So 
the liver tries to protect the body from excess fat because otherwise the pancreas is then going to take the hit and it's going to be forced to produce more insulin over time. And then this eventually will lose will lead to losing the ability to produce insulin, which then eventually leads to diabetes. So this is why the liver plays a role in diabetes because it's not always the pancreas that's the source of the problem. Um, it's the liver being sluggish that then is having a domino effect on the pancreas. And I also have an episode about diabetes if you want to get more detail about that. The more fat that accumulates around our organs, the digestive tract, and the lymph fluid, the more insulin the body needs to get glucose through those fat deposits so those cells can function because those cells are depending on glucose for them to carry out their job. So, you know, we talk a lot about maybe fat deposits being around our organs and that maybe you can't visibly see your fat on you, but like you could have it internally. And this is what this is talking about. And so then the pancreas has to actually work harder to get that insulin delivered to all of these organs. So that's another way you can tax the pancreas. And then the pancreas not only overproduces insulin when we consume processed sugar, but also say you eat a meal that's high in fat, but no sugar, you will eventually crave sugar because the pancreas made just as much much insulin for that fat that you consumed, but then you never consumed um, a carb. And so then you're going to be left with a craving for sweets. So you may find sometimes if you have a meal that's high in fat, um, but there was no sugar with the meal, and then later you are craving sugar. And that's because you have all this extra insulin in your body. And now it's like, okay, well, we need sugar. And if that does happen, try to consume natural sugar and not processed sugar. And then if the fat ratio in your diet was lowered, blood sugar would become more balanced and the pancreas would be saved from overworking as well as the liver would be saved from overworking. So sometimes, you know, you might think, well, if you're eating a lot of fruit, won't that still have an impact on your blood sugar? And it won't because really it's the fat that is having an impact on the blood sugar. So if you only consume natural natural forms of sugar, so fruit, honey, maple syrup, and you lower your fat intake, that will balance out your blood sugar. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what happens when you start taking care of your liver, uh, but I am going to get more into that in part two. But if you're someone who struggles with a chronic illness or autoimmune condition, it does bring a sense of relief because a lot of times the issue with your condition lies with the liver. So when you start taking care of your liver, your symptoms and your condition gets better. And I can also tell you this from personal experience because I didn't really know much about the liver until I went to my master's program and learned more about autoimmune and chronic illness. And I then realized that a lot of my problem was I was eating too many fats. I was not eating enough healthy um, natural forms of sugar and it was just allowing my condition to get worse and worse and to feel worse and worse because my fat intake was too high. I was avoiding fruits because I thought that it was treated the same as processed sugar. And all of that wasn't true. And I started getting so much better when I lowered my fat intake and increased my consumption of fruits and vegetables and leafy greens and potatoes and all these other foods that don't have fats in them. And in holistic health, the liver is intimately tied to your emotional well-being. So by making nutritional changes to better your liver, you will begin to emotionally feel better as well. So for example, when the liver is not functioning well, you may feel you have a lot of anger coming up because the liver is associated with the liver is associated with anger. 
So in part two, I'm going to talk more about um, liver health and how it's related to chronic illnesses. And I'm going to talk more about glucose and glycogen storage. Uh, I'll talk about other ways that the liver protects us because it does a lot of um, protecting with holding on to toxins and pathogens so that they don't enter our bloodstream. I'm also going to talk about how the liver filters out toxins from our blood and then I'll talk about the liver and our immune system because they are connected. So I hope you're starting to understand how important the liver is and that it really is a remarkable organ in our body and I look forward to sharing part two with you.